through. So at this point, I'd love to invite you to take out your Bibles. We're going to open up God's Word together, which is always a good and exciting thing to do. And we're going to be continuing our Distinct Markers series this morning. And we've been looking over the last kind of six weeks or so at some of the distinct markers of God's people. And just by a little way of recap, uh, we've looked at how we're called to be a people of his presence, that that is the distinct marker in our lives as followers of Jesus. We've looked at uh, how we're called to be people of, of joy. We've looked at how we're called to be a people of reverence, how reverence for the Lord and the fear of the Lord operating in our lives is actually so vital and should be a distinct marker for us as followers of Jesus. We've looked as well, uh, Catherine brought a great word a couple of weeks ago about the, being a people of, of transformation, the transforming, transforming power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And last week we had a, a guest speaker, James, who brought a great word on being a people marked by love. So this morning and flowing on from the last couple of weeks, which have been kind of more concerned with the outworking of our faith by the power of the Spirit, I want to spend some time looking at our next distinct marker. But first, let's pray, and then we'll launch into it this morning. Lord, we are your people. We're called by your name. What a joy and what a privilege that is, Lord God. And Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, I pray that it would come alive in our hearts today, Lord God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, we want to be a people set apart, distinct, set apart for your glory, Lord. So would you be at work in our hearts and our lives today by the power of your spirit, through your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be heading to Matthew chapter 12 this morning. As you may have picked up, I am a bit of a dog person. I love dogs. It's always been that way. But when I can, I love taking my own dog up into the bushland just near to where I live. And I love it because he's a big hunting dog breed. And so I love letting him off the lead, and he kind of is in his element. And he'll go off on the trails, and he'll be sniffing, and he'll disappear for a while. And so often, particularly in his younger and more rebellious years, he would come back with all sorts of things to show me. Sometimes there'd be kangaroo bones. Sometimes there'd be lost balls that he'd managed to find up there in the, in the bush. And one occasion, I saw him running back with something Long and I was like, what on earth is that? It was a severed kangaroo tail that he brought back. And I was like, oh my goodness. There's no way we're bringing that home. <laughs> and every time he comes back, I'm like, what is that? What's, what's in your mouth, boy? What's in your mouth? And often there would be a kind of standoff that would ensue. As I'd be like, drop it, drop it. And he'd be standing there wagging his tail keeping that thing in his mouth. What's in your mouth, boy, is what I would say. So a question I want to put to us here this morning is what's in your mouth? What's in your mouth? What is coming out of your mouth when you speak? 
Not just here on a Sunday, when we're at church, but during the week, in our day-to-day lives. For surely, our faith in Christ has an impact on every area of our lives. And surely, our faith in Christ has an impact on us beyond a Sunday. So the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. Distinct markers a people of sanctified speech. Research suggests that the average person speaks between 7,000 and up to 20,000 words per day. So this message perhaps applies to all of us here this morning who speak words in our day-to-day lives. And we should never underestimate the weight that our words carry, for good or for bad. And it's been said that there is nothing so revealing as our words. And in many ways, the words that we speak, what is in our mouth, if you like, are our imprint on the world around us. And as such, our words are or should be a distinct marker for us as followers of Jesus. And I would even go so far as to say that the words we speak and the manner in which we speak should sound different, should, should sound distinct, should reveal something different about our lives rather than just fitting in or blending into the culture around us. So as we've been looking and going through this series of distinct markers, you might remember just a little bit of a definition, a framework. Distinct means recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type or easily identifiable or set apart from others. And pertaining to our words and the way that we speak, there is a call for our words to be recognizably different. Now, I want to make clear this morning that this is not a message on just positive self-talk, such as what we see in the multi-billion dollar self-help industry. This is not a message discouraging us from being real, or from being honest about our circumstances, the things that we're walking through, and we'll get to that as we go on this morning. This is not a message in any way seeking to cause any condemnation or offense. I hope you can hear my heart here this morning. Rather, it's a call higher for us as the people of God to consider the words we speak, the manner of our speech. It's a call to ensure that what is coming out of here is consistent with what we profess to believe and the one that we claim to follow after and live our lives for. So you might be, there might be some of you sitting there thinking, well, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why does our speech matter or the words that we speak, the manner in which we speak them? Why does it matter if we kind of drop that odd curse word here or there when we're angry, when we're at the pub with mates or around work, whatever it is. Why does it matter that we, we pass on that little bit of, that tidbit of rumor and gossip? Why does it matter that we share that joke laced with innuendo? Why does it matter that we just speak out when we're frustrated and the list could go on? Well, Scripture has much to say on all those things. But ultimately, the why And I believe it's the why behind so much of pursuing a life of holiness before the Lord. 
The why is because of Jesus. The why is because of his mercy and his grace and his kindness to us. And it's because of the cross and our salvation and that it must have an impact and an effect on our lives. It's because the Holy Spirit desires to shape and form us and change us. And this also includes the way that we speak. So that our words and our manner of speech actually reflects him and points people towards him and is consistent with the truth and what we claim to believe. Scripture reveals that there is great power in our words. We can look right back to the very beginning, Genesis 1, the creation. What do we read? It says, and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be. It was the words that he spoke that created, spoke into being all that we see. There's power in our words. We can look throughout the Old Testament. For example, the book of Proverbs, this wonderful book of wisdom literature. Just in that one book alone, there are over 50 references specifically to our tongue, to the words that we speak. Not to mention the Psalms, not to mention what Jesus himself said in the Gospels, not to mention the New Testament writers and the letters all throughout the New Testament, how they address and speak directly into this particular area of our lives. So perhaps it's, it's worth us not just glossing over this morning, but considering the importance of our words. In Proverbs 18 verse 21, it says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. If we stop and think about that for a moment, we have opportunity to speak in such a way that brings life. That builds up, that reflects the saving work of Jesus in our lives. Or we can speak in such a way that brings death, that brings destruction, that tears down, that misrepresents who Jesus is. I don't know about you, but there's kind of one that I want to lean and gravitate towards in my own life. So let's see what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 33 is where we'll start. It says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. A few things in there that I want to just bring out, and a couple of things to take note of here. First of all, there is a link between what is going on in here and what is flowing from here. There is a link between what is going on in our hearts and what is flowing from our mouths. Our words don't just come from nowhere. Jesus himself says it's out of the abundance, the overflow of the heart that we speak. The state of our hearts can in fact be seen through the words that we speak. That which is in our hearts comes to the surface through our lips. So when we consider this distinct marker and ponder how we can be a people of sanctified 
speech. A part of that is also considering the state of our hearts and what we are feeding and nourishing our hearts with. Jesus takes it even further in just a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 15, verse 10 to 20. And he he says, it's not what goes into the mouth by way of food, of course, that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. In verse 19 of Matthew 15, he says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are the things that defile a person. Jesus says. So according to Jesus, if what is coming out of our mouths is full of or marked by slander or lies or negativity or constant criticism or immorality, we must ask what's going on inside here. Second thing to bring out about this passage, there is a serious warning for us to pay attention to. Have you ever kind of seen, you know, whether like you're out and about and you see like, some painters doing some work, and there's a big sign that says, warning, wet paint. You know, maybe like a park bench or a wall. And there's something about that warning. I don't know what it is, but it's almost like a UV light that attracts the bugs. And it's like, you go and you're like, I'll just see, I'll just check, I'll just see. Yep, it's wet. I'm glad I checked. The paint's wet. Well, this warning that Jesus gives, this is one of those warnings that we would do well to pay attention to and to heed straight away without kind of going over and testing it, right? Jesus says that we will have to give an account for every careless word that we speak. I don't know about you, that hits me right in the heart. That is rather sobering. And it is worth us examining ourselves as a result. This word for careless here in the Greek means idle, lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, injurious. In fact, it was a word used to describe that which was not meant to produce anything or words that accomplish nothing. Idle, thoughtless, unprofitable, careless. Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, help us. The words of David from Psalm chapter 19, verse 14 such a source of comfort, challenge, and still ring true. And in fact, this particular verse, I would say, is is, is right up there with one of the uh, passages or verses from Scripture that I pray over my own life personally. He writes, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, there is a link between what is going on in here and what is flowing out our mouths, and there is a serious warning for us to pay attention to. So, within this framework and foundation, with that in mind, would you turn with me to James chapter 3 this morning? There's a few other things that I want to just bring out. I love James's letter. It's so practical, so simple, so literal. And he, of course, wrote this letter and was concerned with God's people living the life, being distinct, having lives that were consistent with what they professed to believe. And he writes about the tongue here in James chapter 3 because it is a key part of our lives of faith. Let's read together from verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach 
will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grape vine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. As we read this passage, there are a number of things for us to take note of about the tongue. That it is a small thing, yet it has great power. It has power to direct, like a bit on a horse does, or a rudder on a ship. It has power to destroy, like a fire does. It has power to bless and build up and bring life, just as it has power to curse and to tear down. So with those things in mind, there are some areas that I I felt on my heart to speak into this morning. That the manner of our speech is meant to be different or distinct in, not just fitting in right in with the culture around us. So if sanctified speech is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider, first of all this morning, how we speak about ourselves. How we speak about ourselves. Now, I've noticed perhaps a little bit of a trend in our modern culture about the way that we as humans talk about ourselves. Either it can be one end of the spectrum where we're constantly talking ourselves down, belittling tearing us down. Or it can be right at the other end of the spectrum where we talk about ourselves too much. Where it's like me, myself and I is the focus and our conversation revolve around us. But I believe for us as followers of Jesus there is a different way. Have you ever found yourself thinking or found yourself speaking about yourself things such as this? I'm too short, tall. I'm too lazy. I'm too fill in the blank. I'm not good enough. I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not skilled enough. There's no way I could ever do. I'm such an, you fill in the blank. I'll never amount to anything. I won't ask for a show of hands. I'll put my hand up though. That yes, those things I found myself saying at various points. These words, though, perhaps sound a little bit careless or unprofitable. 
Do you remember the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6? The Lord appears to him, speaks to him, says, I'm going to use you powerfully to bring deliverance for my people. Gideon's there and he's like hiding away in this place of fear. He's like, you can't use me. My father's clan is the weakest, is, is the least. And I'm the weakest in my father's clan. No, I'm not your guy. What does the Lord say to him in that place? He says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So here is Gideon talking about himself. No, I'm the weakest, I'm the least, I'm not your guy. But God is saying to him, you're a mighty man of valor. I love that about the Lord. I love that about the Lord. He doesn't just kind of see us as we see ourselves. He sees us as he's called us and made us to be. And he is the one who speaks out that over our lives. We need to remember what God says about us, what his truth is. There may be weaknesses, there may be faults. We all stumble in many ways, as it says in James 3. But remember the work of the cross. Remember what Jesus has done. And I want to humbly submit to you this morning that maybe a realignment needs to take place. That where that kind of pattern of not just thinking, but what we speak over our lives looks like some of those examples I gave earlier, maybe a realignment needs to take place. But this is what God says. This is what his word says. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. That he has a plan and a purpose for you. That you are chosen and called. That you are an overcomer. That you are a child of God. That you are beloved and valued to the Father. His word is the standard we want to be living under. Not just our own standard or our own feelings or opinions or thoughts. Not just what culture says. It's his truth that we want to be living under. Scripture reveals that Satan is the father of lies. When he lies, he is just speaking his native language. Could it be that in speaking about ourselves, kind of in this way that is belittling or tearing down, that we partner with the liar instead of partnering with the truth of what God says? So this morning, what's in your mouth regarding how you speak about yourself? Is it in alignment with the truth of God's word? We all stumble in many ways, but his grace and his transforming power enables our words to be different, to be in alignment with what he says about us. Secondly, this morning, if sanctified speech is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider how we speak about others. This is getting more and more wobbly as we go on. (laughs) The pulpit, that is. (laughs) We live in a culture, sorry, we live in a culture, don't we, that loves to tear down. And in fact, it's kind of the Aussie thing, unfortunately, that we, we love just kind of having a crack and tearing Tearing down, it's kind of that tall poppy syndrome. We love to, to just criticize and, and, and bring down. But in James 3, verse 9 and 10, we read that with our mouths we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 
You can almost hear the passion in James as he writes. This should not be. This should not be. There's something wrong with this picture, isn't there? If here on a Sunday we're pouring out the praises of God, and yet during the week we're pouring out contempt and slander and gossip and all these things that are going to tear people down around us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome or corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace, that it may benefit those who hear. Imagine how much better the world would look if we took that to heart and lived that out. Imagine how much better social media would look. Imagine how much better the church in general would look if we heeded that instruction. That only such is good for building up would come out of our mouths. So this morning, what's in your mouth regarding how you speak about others? Your spouse, your children, your boss, that grace grower, your pastor. Hopefully they're not one and the same, the grace grower and the pastor. May a distinct marker of our lives as followers of Jesus be that our words sound different. That they would bring grace to those who hear. That they would build up, not tear down. That they would actually benefit those who hear. And even those who aren't there as part of the conversation. Can I encourage us as God's people, as Vision Church, as his expression of his body here in this place, can I encourage us to be really intentional about this, to pray for and seek those opportunities to encourage, to speak life, to build up. It might be costly, maybe it's to stand up for someone when someone's having a real crack, to stand up for someone, and that may be costly, it may feel awkward. Trust me, I know, I've been there. But we're not called to just kind of fit in and go along, are we? We're called to be distinct and different as the followers of Jesus. Let's be intentional about this. Being a people who speak life and encourage and build up. Thirdly this morning, if sanctified speech is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider what we speak over our circumstances. Now, I hope you're still with me. I I know this potential area has the potential to get some ganders up. I know that if there's any issues this morning, you can email Catherine at Vision Church. (laughs) But what I'm talking about, about what we speak over our circumstances this morning, I want to make really clear that I'm not in any way talking about not being real, about not being honest. You know, like there's that kind of, I think, thing in the church at times where it can be like, oh, we don't want to speak anything out. We don't... That's not what I'm saying this morning, and I hope it's clear as we, as we look at this today. You know, the Psalms are a wonderful example of God's people pouring out their honest cry. We read through the Psalms, and some of those cries are very uncomfortable for me as I read it. God, why have you forsaken me? God, where are you? God, you have forgotten me. But you know, the wonderful thing as we read in those Psalms is that it's where they kind of land. It's where they land. It's, it's not staying in that place to wallow. It's, but God, you. But still I hope in you. But you are faithful. So James writes, out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And this is not just towards those around us. Could it be that what we speak, that, what we, that we can speak things over our circumstances, as it says in Proverbs 18, that bring life or death? 
And as I've been wrestling through this and reflecting on this this week, I've been thinking and reflecting on the account in Numbers 13 and 14, where, you know the story where the spies, the 12 spies are sent into the promised land. And they go, and they come back to the congregation. And they're there, they all went, and they saw that the land was good. They come back carrying grapes on like a pole, grapes the size of grapefruits. They're like, yes, it is a good land, it's an exceedingly good land, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. However, is what they say. However, what happened? They brought a bad report. What they spoke over that situation had such an impact. What they spoke over the promises of God that God had promised them had such an impact. And in the midst of that, we see Joshua and Caleb speaking life and speaking blessing. They will say, we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. Let us go at once. God has promised. He, he, he is able. No, 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 no. It's impossible. It's impossible. You should have seen the size of them. We seem like grasshoppers compared to them. Their words lacked faith. It lacked trust. They were careless, unprofitable, injurious. They had a major impact upon all the assembly and all of that generation because of the bad report, because of what they spoke out over that circumstance and how they influenced all the people in that way. What was the difference with Joshua and Caleb? I want to put to you this morning that they saw the same things. They saw the big people there. They saw the things that needed to be overcome. And they said, yes, there will be things that we have to overcome. Yes, there will be difficulties perhaps, no doubt, but the Lord will make a way. The Lord will make a way. Remember his promises. We are well able to overcome because he is with us. They weren't denying the reality of the situation, I believe. They were anchoring themselves to a greater reality, the Lord God Almighty. In our own lives, there may be difficulties and hard circumstances and very painful things to walk through. I recognize that. I know that in this room there are people walking through those things. And I pray that as we do that, yes, we would be honest. We would be real with God. We would bring those things before him. But I also pray, in the midst of not denying the reality, that we would anchor ourselves to the greatest reality of the Lord, our God, who is with us. And as we do that, our words will begin to reflect that greater reality. Have you ever heard or have you ever spoken? I'm not asking for a show of hands this morning. Just my luck. There's no way that could happen. This always happens to me. I knew this would happen. You know, our words have power. What we speak over our circumstances has weight. And in the midst of the difficulties and the realities of life, will we remember that there is one who is greater? So what's in your mouth this morning regarding what you speak over your circumstances? Your finances, your relationships, your workplace, 
May we, like Joshua and Caleb, speak life. As we bring this to a close this morning, maybe the worship team could come back up. Perhaps some of you might be thinking, hang on Adam, you've forgotten something. Verse 8 of James 3 says, No one, no human being can tame the tongue. So why even try? I'm glad you asked. If we go back to our initial passage in Matthew 12, the words of Jesus, how he paints this picture of there being a link between our hearts and our mouths and the warning of being ramifications to the words that we speak. I humbly submit to you this morning that there's too much at stake to not even try to tame our tongue, to bring it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's getting at here. We can read, no one can tame the tongue. We can see that as an impossibility or an opportunity. And I don't know about you, but a challenge gets me interested. Remember a few years ago, going along, there used to be a, an indoor mini golf course at the DFO Center. Just in, did anyone ever play that course? I hope that someone did because, no, that's okay. I'll just have to explain it. The second last hole was kind of known as the impossible hole. And it was this hole that, you know, you put the ball and it had this big kind of about 10 foot tall water wheel thing. And you had to get the ball up and around, then back up through this little hole, back up through a little hole, defying gravity all along the way, and then it would get onto this uh, run and it would just kind of run all the way down through tunnels, through, you know, drop down, and it would then just go through, go through a tunnel, and drop straight in the hole, right? It was known as the impossible hole. And so I remember going along one day, I was playing, I think, with my, my, uh, one of my sons, and I looked at this hole, and I kind of weighed it all up, and I'm like, man, this is the impossible hole. How on earth is it going to have enough momentum to go up, momentum to go up and round and up again and through the little hole and... And I saw this impossibility, and I didn't want to have the mentality of, oh, well, what's the point? There's no point. I'll just play it safe. There was something in me that's like, no, I'm going to give it a go. I can do all things through Christ to give me strength. <laughs> and I realized that, yes, this particular shot, it was going to take my own effort, my own intention, my own attempt, right? But I knew that it was going to take something of the divine for it to go. So I lined it up, I hit this ball, it went round the water tower, went back up, and it didn't drop down, so I'm like, maybe it's gone through, and sure enough, it went through the little hole, and it ended up on the run, and I watched in absolute joy and celebration as it was going down this run, and I was just watching it, unfortunately there was no one else around, I, I would have loved for other people to be there to see it. You have to take my word for it. It did actually happen. I'm before the Lord. He notes. <laughs> but it took something of my own effort and something of the divine for this impossible hole to, for me to get a hole in one. The point is this. That when we read, no one can tame the tongue, we can see that as an impossibility or as an opportunity. And he says, no human being can tame the tongue. 
Why? Because we all stumble in many ways. To that I would say, exactly. With man this may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. But God. So as we, I pray, desire sanctified speech that would be a distinct marker of our lives of faith. It's not an impossibility, but an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to help us. So that the way that we speak about ourselves and about others and about our circumstances might change where that is needed. So it is indeed distinct and different from just kind of going along with or fitting in with what tends to happen in our culture around us. We should never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit to change and transform us as we partner with Him and yield to Him and intentionally put in sanctified effort. But just as that silly example of the golf shot, the impossible shot, required me to be there and actually have a go, to be intentional, to to not just chicken out and say, oh, it's too hot, I'm not going to have a crack. But as well, it needed something of the divine for it to go through and to have happen. And I would suggest that in this area of our lives, to, to tame our tongue, first of all, I would suggest that we don't want to go missing there. We don't want to shrink back and say, oh, it's too hard, I'm not even going to go. What I would suggest and encourage us with this morning is to bring that under the lordship of Jesus Christ. For he is Savior and he is Lord. Lord of all, not just some parts of our lives, but all parts of our lives. So this morning, would we bring afresh the words that we speak, our tongue, and submit that to the Lordship of Jesus? But would we also be intentional about guarding our mouths as far as it depends on us? But may we, this is the encouragement, pray and ask the Holy Spirit for His help, for His help, for His conviction where that's needed his power to be at work and change and transform and sanctify the words that we speak. Ultimately, our words should reflect and point to the word, Jesus Christ. So, what's in your mouth this morning? What things do you need to drop? like my dog this morning what things do you perhaps need to get out of your mouth like my dog there's no way you're bringing that home boy maybe this morning it's a simple response to come and receive prayer and lay those things before the Lord I don't want to bring those things home with me I don't want to bring that cutting critical heart critical words home with me Unlike my dog this morning, don't have a standoff and stubbornly refuse to drop and bring that before the Lord today. Would you stand this morning?
I just invite the prayer team forward actually at this point. The worship team's just going to lead us in a song just quietly over the top. But as we bring our service to a close, I do want to give opportunity for a response, for a response to, to his word. Perhaps there have been some things that maybe, and I pray that the Holy Spirit has been convicting as I've been speaking. Maybe it's the, the way that you speak about yourself. Maybe it's marked with some of those examples I gave. Oh, I could never measure. Oh, I'm not good enough. Or I'm too this or too that or not. I believe that the Lord wants to, to just bring freedom and bring his truth in place of those lies that we can believe and speak about ourselves. Maybe this morning it's been that realization of, you know, ah, oh, yeah, the way that I speak about others. And there's absolutely no condemnation here. I want that to be really clear. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if that's an area that you're like, Lord, I want to bring that before you this morning. And want to invite you, Holy Spirit, in to help me with that. I just invite you to come and receive prayer or come and do business with the Lord. Finally, if it's the particular area of, of what you speak over your circumstances. There may be some really difficult things right now, but just um, asking for the Lord's help to anchor into the, not deny the reality of what's going on, to anchor into the, the greater reality of our God who is with us, and who is faithful and who makes a way. So they're the three areas just to, to respond and just, just finally, one more thing that I'm just going to put out there. I feel the Lord's put it on my heart. If you're here this morning and you've never actually uh, surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never actually made things right with God. You know, I, I talked earlier about the power of words and how, how God spoke into the darkness, let there be light. You know, when we come and when we surrender to Jesus and say yes to him, it's like God speaking into the darkness of our lives, of our soul, the darkness of sin and shame, and saying, let there be light. And he comes with his light, his presence, his grace, his mercy. So I want to give opportunity this morning, if there is anyone here that you've not surrendered your life, made your life right with God, but you want to this morning, there's an invitation for you respond and say yes to Jesus. And if that is you, if there's anyone here or joining online, I'll add that in as well. Um, for those that are here, it would be my privilege and honor to, to, to pray with you as it would be for any of the prayer team here or Catherine. Um, so I, I, let me just issue that invitation that you can respond to, to surrender your life to Jesus and say yes to him. Invite him to be Lord of your life. And if that's you, I'd invite you to come forward in a moment and I'd love to pray with you. So Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. I thank you, Lord, for these incredible brothers and sisters in Christ here. Lord, in many ways, perhaps this morning is a, a challenging word to hear, a challenging one to give, certainly. But Lord, I 
I want to pray that we would be your people set apart for you, Lord God. That, Lord, uh, we would be a people distinct. And I pray that that would include the way that we speak, Lord God. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord God, where the words that we've spoken about ourselves, about others, about our circumstances have not brought life, have not built up, have not given grace, Lord, but rather have been the opposite. Lord, we repent of that this morning and ask that you would forgive us. Lord, we just acknowledge we all stumble in many ways, but we're so thankful that your grace is more than enough, Lord, for our stumbles. So this morning, would you pour out your grace afresh, I pray. Lord, would you help us, I pray, that we would be a people of sanctified speech. We invite your Holy Spirit to help us. But we also want to step up to the plate, Lord, and be intentional. And partner with you, God. That our words give grace and bring life and ultimately point people to you and bring glory to you, Lord. So help us, we pray. Let's bless each person here in the name of the Lord Jesus. Pour out your love, pour out your grace and your goodness, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.